0: Let's join together in prayer. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I'd like for us to think about as we pray that, uh, or at least for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we're praying to the God of the universe. Some are here that uh, are not Christian. Lord, I I pray that uh, they would see you uh, in us but they'd hear you through your Holy Spirit but that we would give honor to you as Christians as as the church Uh, forgive us when we don't forgive us when we pray small prayers forgive us when we pray and don't really believe in in big things that lives can be changed that cities uh, can be transformed that you are at work in the world uh, and you will bring it to your ultimate conclusion Forgive us when we don't pray to you as as God. That our Savior Jesus is also our Creator, and that your love will reign forever. Thank you for the gospel, and that is truth. And we pray that you, Lord, by your word and by your spirit, uh, would melt and change the hearts uh, of all of us. And if we claim to be Christian, then you'd change us anew. Thank you, Lord, that you have the power to do that. May we believe. Even more in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank y'all. Y'all can have a seat. Thank y'all again for being with us today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter two. Going to be reading a familiar story. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you're welcome to pick one up uh, in the back back table. Uh, we give those Bibles away. If you want to take it home, you are welcome to do so. Uh, before we get into God's word, let me just say uh, a few things. Uh, One, I am uh, probably like a few of you, maybe many of you, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by this uh, political presidential race, okay? And uh, for different reasons, which I will not go into, but what I have seen is that it is worth a lot of people's attention uh, around the world. Uh, I'm also fascinated and love sports, so particularly now in uh, this bowl season, I'm very interested, but what I see is it, it garners uh, a lot of attention as well, uh, and it is worth a lot of our me too time, uh, money, uh, planning, you know holiday planning, where we're going to go. So, so these things are worth uh, a lot of our attention. And I'd like to ask all of us today, all of us, me too, what is Jesus Christ worth to us? What is He worth to you? We just saw a beautiful display of God's love and creation in uh, our children. Uh, and a lot of us come to church, not just on the, the family or children's Christmas choir day, but a lot of us will come to, to church For our kids, for our our kids to be in Sunday school or our youth. I heard it last night. I mean, somebody said, hey, I'm at this particular church for my youth. And it wasn't this church. But anyway, I heard that, and that's often the case because our kids are worth a lot for us and how they grow up and how they develop, what they hear, what they're taught. Also, Christmas is worth a lot of time and energy uh, in... Meals we prepare, in the decorations we put up, in the cards that we send, uh, in the Christmas Eve plans that we make. And so to give a little plug for Christmas Eve here at 5, it is a beautiful service of candlelight. Uh, I always say it's like a little glimpse of heaven, and it's very special. Uh, It's very sweet. And we think about, actually the words I think uh, best represent that service is words of silent night, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace it 's a very still moment. hope all you can come, but you know what we forget what the gospel says is that the birth of christ uh, it wasn 't in fact a peaceful moment. it was uh, the work of God, our Lord, invading this world to to push out the darkness of sin, the darkness of death, and so Christmas Eve and Christmas morn, battle was being waged as God was becoming flesh and moving in and said, Satan, this is no longer your territory. You have no claim over this. And pushing back the forces of darkness. So it is very, very sweet. And I love it. The notion of light coming into darkness. But I want us to really get what was happening. That God was moving in huge ways, in ways we cannot fathom. In ways we cannot fathom right now, He's moving. So as, as we worship Jesus this Advent, whether you do worship him or you do not, I, I want you, if you come here, you, you get the real deal, what was going on. That, that we don't need to fear sin. We don't need to fear death because as we're saying, His love will reign forever, but His love came to us in the flesh. So babies are beautiful, babies are sweet, but look at, I just want to read you a couple of verses of Colossians 1. I want you to see who this Jesus really is and what he's worth. And I hope you hear this. I mean, I hope you listen. Because this is the real deal. And he is worth everything, as we'll see. But listen to what Colossians 1 says about Jesus. This is verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all that was created. For by Jesus, all things in heaven And on earth, things we see, things we do not see, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, Jesus might be first. For in Jesus the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by his blood on the cross. We talk about Advent. Amy talked about Advent. Joy. Advent is Jesus comes. I've said this. He came in history. It's a historical fact. In Nazareth. Born on Christmas Day. He comes now by the power of His Spirit, I mean, right now in this service, and He will come again, literally, literally, in the skies. That's Advent. It is about love. It is about joy. It is about light coming into darkness. But I really want us to think about, so what's He worth? Because I can look at my schedule. I got a lot of plans that, frankly, really don't involve Jesus. And maybe... God's convicting me this Advent, as I said, this is the first Advent Sunday. Is this going to be the same Christmas or are going to be different? And maybe it could be different because we realize Jesus is worth a lot more. A lot more physically, a lot more resource-wise, a lot more mentally, emotionally, spiritually, than I've ever given Him. And you've ever given Him. So I want us to see this, what He's worth in this, This Christmas story of the wise men, beautiful story, love it. So let's look, Matthew 2, verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. What is Jesus worth? He is worthy. He is worthy. I want to mention quickly, and it will be quickly, four things that He is worth for you, for me, that we can see in this passage. First off, He is worth our attention. Jesus Christ is worth our attention. I think the biggest fight... That we will have to fight this Christmas. Uh, it's not about getting the Christmas cards out, which we have not done. So that's a battle I'm looking forward to this week, addressing. One time, my wife, I digress, as you, I, my wife said, Oh, you want them done? Just write, write the addresses out. It's like, all right, I'll do it. You know, 10 hours later, we sent them off. But, uh, but anyway, so I I'm trust her. Christmas cards, decorations, family plans. That's a battle sometimes it feels like. That is not our greatest fight. Our greatest fight is against the, what I call the, uh, the yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, preacher, I, I got it. Thanks, you know, I'm here for my kids. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. The biggest fight is for, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, uh, we'll read Luke 2 before we open gifts. Uh, The biggest fight is, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I I come Christmas Eve. The biggest fight is what I've been talking about, is how we may see Jesus, but He is really not worth our attention. And our attention goes to a lot of other things in our life. And I'm here to say, He is worth our attention. I love this passage because here you have wise men, and everything that we know about the wise men is right here. Okay? Okay? They don't know anything else. They were were from the East. Uh, They did not know Scripture. So they did not know the Bible of their day. Uh, They were not religious men. They were wise men. So they knew about philosophy. They knew about the sciences. And here's why I say this. It was they who had attention of Jesus. It was they who said, something's going on here. We need to go. I don't know if you picked this up or not, but it was not these scribes who knew that Jesus was going to be born. It was the non-religious folks. It was the people who did not know their Bible of the day. It was the wise men who caught the attention and said, we got to go to this. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, they go to Jerusalem And they say, where is he? And then they ask the the religious folks who know the Bible of the day, and and they don't have the attention at all. So so what I want to get to y'all, especially those who would call yourselves Christians, is, and we're going to be talking more about this in the new year, to really know your Bible, because some of us can read our Bibles like newspapers and just, you know, flip through it and, yep, got it. We fight against that, yeah, 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 Jesus. I got Luke, too. Hey, I know this story about the wise in my heart. You really ain't got nothing new to say, preacher. Our biggest, yeah, Jesus, got it. We got to give Jesus our attention because here it's it's the non it's the non-church folks who saw Jesus. It's the people who did not know God's word who saw Jesus. So for some of you here today. I really believe, some of y'all who are not reading your Bible, some of y'all who would not call yourselves Christians, uh, that you may, you may pay Jesus more attention than some of us religious folks because we get caught in our work and in our duty and in our Bible reading time. And, and I, I plead with you, read the Bible for its detail and with your imagination. And then God begins to really get your attention. And if you just flip through it or flip through it, You're just just doing a duty. The wise men, they were the ones who paid attention. God got their attention. Jesus is worthy of our attention. Jesus is also worthy of our pursuit. Because if God gets your attention, and if your attention is going to Jesus, then you pursue God. You pursue Jesus. You're pursuing him. And let me just say this. I mean, like the wise men, the attention with the star, and they went to Jerusalem. But, you know, the greatest miracle of this, this whole passage is you got three dudes rolling in town and they asked for directions. You know? That's the biggest miracle of all. I mean, seriously. It's usually like, uh, yeah, it's, it's over here somewhere. You know, we're getting close. We'll get there. They were pursuing, and they stopped and they asked for directions. They said, you know, we want to go. Where, where is he? What do you pursue? What do you pursue if you go to church, when you go to church? What do you pursue? And we're all pursuing something. Some of y'all, you go to church, you're pursuing, well, I should do this. So I'm going. Some of y'all are pursuing, well, my kids need this. Uh, others of y'all are pursuing, you know, I know I need something, so can you just, like, give me a little good talk and maybe a shot in the arm, a few verses, and then, and then I'll go do my deal. We're all pursuing. So you may be pursuing connections. I am gonna work out my social club or my supper club or my you know good financial financial contact. We're all pursuing something here. Uh, let me share a little bit about what I do on on Sunday mornings, okay? Because it ties in to how I pursue God. Uh, I wake up uh, early, and I'm not usually an early riser, but I wake up uh, earlier than any other day of the week. And what I want to do on this day is. Pursue God with all I am and all I can. So I'll start off, I'll get some coffee, and I love coffee, and I need to be jacked up. But I will start reading the Bible, not the passage that I preach, okay? Read my devotion, read it slowly. And I have this process, and what I want to do is what I call, I want to I pray myself hot, I want to pray myself hot each and every Sunday morning. So, what I'll do is I'll take about an hour. I'll read God's Word. I'll read it over again. Then I'll get on my knees in my little corner at home. I'll get on my knees every Sunday and pray. Uh, Many of y'all, I pray for that morning. If I didn't pray for you today, I might get you next week. I pray for leaders in the church. I pray for myself. And it's this idea I want to pray myself hot. And I don't really look over the talk because what I don't want to do on Sundays is kind of default into like a lecture or, or default into kind of a good speech with some verses thrown in. I want to pray myself hot because I think something supernatural is going on each and every Sunday morning or I wouldn't do what I do. That something is happening here And you're like, maybe right now, yeah, 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 Jesus, or yeah, yeah, preacher, pastor. Well, then I just pray for you that you get that something supernatural is happening when the people of God gather together. So it is is worthy of Jesus that I prepare in a way that honors him, his word, and you and your needs, but also you and your growth. Because often I don't pray for you about needs. I pray, God, use them, transform them shape their heart in a new and a different way, melt their heart, heal their heart. And something happens, man. Like it actually works. Like Holy Spirit stuff. And like all the chatter and all the details and all the worry and anxiety that surround church, every church, melt. And I really begin to focus on like what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so I ask you, and I beg you, like when you come here, wherever you are in your walk or in your growth, like pursue God. He's worthy of our pursuit. And if He gets your attention, pursue Him. Come to church for God. Believe that something supernatural is happening. When we sing, when we hear God's Word, when we pray, uh, when we hear a young lady talk about joy, Something's going down, and it's not just like business deals, or it's not just like social connections. And our tendency is to get caught up in those things and miss what God is doing. He's worthy of our pursuit. He's worthy also not of just of our attention, our pursuit, but of our faith, our faith. Here again, you're like, yeah, 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 Jesus. Yeah, 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 Pastor. Again, read God's word for the details and with your imagination. Look what happens here. The wise men, and you know this the wise men give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You're like, got that. Imagine the faith it takes them to give great gifts to this baby in this stable that's probably a cave. They were poor. Probably 13-year-old girl. Father figure Joseph does not know what is going on. Here's rich wise men giving elaborate gifts of faith. I mean, couldn't you imagine the wise men like, hey, man, you really going to give gold? I mean, I thought I was good with myrrh. You giving gold? So, you know, I mean, gold. Gold to this child. I say that because uh, we're, not, we're not like big believers. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah Jesus. Uh, we, bellwether, but also Christians, people in a lot of other churches, um, we kind of phase out of believing big things. You know, one of my greatest fears of this beautiful building that God provided is that we stop believing in big things. I was talking to a dude uh, this week, said, You know, man, I remember I came a couple times when y'all were out at the courthouse, the old sweaty, you know, grungy gym. And I, like, loved it. And I was like, you know, I kind of miss it. Because then, some of y'all can remember, like, we were believing. We're like, God will do good things. God will do big things. And now it's kind of, can be like, yeah, we got it. I want us to believe in big things. And I use the the physical and the financial resources in this, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, uh, to say for myself, and for you, are we believing with what God has entrusted to us? Are we believing uh, with our gifts, with our financial resources? Uh, a lot of us, and, and I'll fight this fight. Okay, me too. It's like, well, I want to, I want to save, you know, for my kids and my grandkids, and I want to save, you know, my commodities for them. And you know, the truth of it is, and some of you are like, no, 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 but I'm like, yeah, yeah. The truth of it is at at some point, one day, you know, we'll have a descendant who will cash in all that silver and all those commodities for like a big flat screen, or the newest version of a flat screen. I mean, for real. For real. Somebody said, you know, all of history is about, you know, those descendants who just, you know, splurged and wasted everything of previous generations. I'm, I'm saying this because, and I'm preaching myself, and I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, am I giving enough? Am I believing enough? I, listen, I love Francis Chan. I was listening to a, a sermon uh, that he preached this week, and he talked about each year he would give as a family, and his church would give incrementally more to the church all over the world. At one point, they'd given a million dollars. A million dollars. he said. Each, and each year, he kept pushing. Man, you don't want to give that much. I mean, you know, be, be wise, Francis. Be wise. And he just kept giving. Uh, I also say this because we're looking at what we give to church plants all over the world. Uh, this past year, uh, we gave like 14400 I think that's close. If I'm not, Heisel will correct me. I don't know if he's here today. But $14,400, 14402 church plants over the world, four in India, one in Dubai. And God really convicted me, man, you need to double that. You know, make it 20 i am not good at math, Twenty-eight dollars something like that. Which you may be like, well, that's a lot. That's not even a tenth of our budget. Maybe that's not big enough to some church plants that we saw in Italy. Double it to Dubai. They're reaching Muslims for Christ. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our faith. Uh, one, one verse, I want to put it up here. It's Mark 14, 24. This is one of the greatest verses about faith that I've, uh, that I've ever known. Matthew 14, 24 should be up on screen. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. The story of that verse is, there was a child, and I got boys too, a son who was possessed. And he came to Jesus and said, I believe you can heal my son. But I love what he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Because a lot of us, when we talk about giving where it really hurts, or maybe giving a time, We're like, this this really isn't going to help out. This really isn't going to do things. And I would push us to this verse. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Because all of you probably believe some form or fashion. But we all, if we're honest, have some form or fashion of unbelief too. Like, hey, I want to keep. And I always say this. God doesn't see what you give. He sees what you keep. So for me, this is one of my new life verses. Me. I'm saying I got some unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Last thing, He is worthy of our attention. He is worthy of your pursuit. He is worthy of our faith in big ways. Big ways. And for some of you, my prayer is, man, that you start believing bigger. Bigger for bellwether. Bigger for your life. Uh, bigger in that you might become a pastor or a missionary. And it's not like a bad gig, okay? (laughs) Bigger. And I pray, let's start believing bigger. And that doesn't mean a bigger building or a bigger budget. In fact, I think it means less building and less budget and more people to go out who teach and who witness and who preach with their lives for Jesus because he's worthy of it. Last thing, he's worthy of your gifts. See, I want to tie the physical gifts to faith but the gifts that he has given all of us. Let me say this. All of y'all are gifted in some way. You're made in the image of God. The Bible says that. We are all made in the image of God. God gives you gifts, whether you are Christian or not. So let's say before we were Christian, there was a time when I wasn't a Christian. We have gifts. You have gifts. When you are saved, the biblical word, when Christ comes into your heart, when he melts your heart, those gifts are transformed. For him to be used. So I want to say this He's worthy of who you are. Not the physical, the financial things, the resources. He's worthy of who you are. I'll use one example, there are many, but one we have been blessed with a lot of wonderful teachers in our congregation. And you see that in our family ministry who teach. You see it with the kids up here, the time they give. So we have a lot of great teachers who are Christian. And let me say this, growing up, junior high, high school, was not the best student. Uh, Gave my teacher fits. I was suspended twice, okay, in high school. Not once, twice. People gave me detention. I was like, man, that's a gift. I'm going to go to town in here. Um, Big mouth, I mean, I know that shocked some of you, but like, you know, (laughs) verbally fought my teachers, suspended twice, parent conference, you know, really lucky to be where I am. You teachers out there, again, this is one example. Say there's the, you know, the, the problem kid. Or the kid that won't listen. The kid that always mouths off. The kid who is crying out for attention. And I know that kid. And you know, what do you do? Do you care about them? Because I really believe, whether you're teaching in church, or whether you're teaching in a school, nobody cares what you know until they know they That you care. Nobody cares what you know till they know that you care. God wants to use your gifts. He's worthy of your life. He made you. The God who saved you also created you. He is worthy of our attention, He is worthy of our pursuit, He is worthy of big faith, He is worthy of our gifts. And let me say this, and this kind of ties to Christmas in general. The giver of the gift is always better than the gift, no matter how good the gift is. So that's for, if you're here and you're not Christian here, uh, the spouse that gives you a gift, the child that gives you a gift, uh, the family member that gives you a gift, the friend that gives you the gift, the giver of the gift is always better than the gift, no matter how good the gift is, and it is the same with our heavenly Father, with God. He has gifted each and every one of you, and he is better than the gifts that he has given you, and he is deserving of our lives. Last thing I want to say, just closing it up. What if you loved God more than anything else? Some of you say, well, I do, or I thought I do. I would challenge you, I think what most of us fall into yeah, 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 Jesus, got it. To love God more than anything else, that'll change your life. It'll change your life. Like, well, how it changed your life? I mean, that's kind of you know cliche. Three ways, real quick. You love God more than anything else, you'll be more real than you ever have. You know, we kind of throw that as like, hey, we're real here, we're authentic. Everybody likes. No, to really be real and like, hey, I'll share everything that happened in my past. There's no shame. If you love God more than anything else, you can share anything. You're healed. You're a son or daughter of king of all. I mean, you can really get real. You love God more than anything else, you can look someone in the eye. You can look someone in the eye. Thank you. We didn't need that. You love God more than anything else, you can look someone in the eye and tell them why you believe what you do. I know many people who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah." they can't do that. Because, I mean, where we live, we don't want to offend anybody. And we really want to be liked, you know. And it uh, may, may not be the kind thing to do. Maybe it's the thing that they need for their life. First Peter 3.15, one of my favorite verses. Always be ready to make a defense for the reason why you believe. Think about it. Can you look someone in the eye and say, this is what, why I believe what I do. Can you look someone in the eye in a bar out at dinner? You can really be real. You can give a real reason. And you can take great risks. You can take great risks. And I don't mean just going overseas. I mean sharing your life, sharing your table, sharing a meal, sharing money, sharing your heart. You're not afraid to take a risk for God because you love him that much. It's real love. And the last thing I will say is some of us, because I got into Christianity, some of us see it as like, well, I I love God because of what he will give me. He will give me heaven. I don't want to go to hell. He will maybe give me an abundant life. That's what some preachers say. So I love God because of what he, he will give me. I don't want that here. You heard it here first. I don't want that type of love in the house of bellwether. I want you to love God for what he has already given you. He has already died on the cross for you. He has already risen from the grave so you can have life. He has already formed you in your mother's womb or before your mother's womb and given you gifts. And see, if you love for what he's already given you, it changes you. Like, man, it's a good deal. I can move forward and really be real and share my faith and walk in assurance and authority, and I know that He will give me heaven, and He will give me the life that I could not create, make, or shape for myself. But you start with what He's already given you. The gift has been given. Salvation. He's worthy of, every, of everything. Of life, hair, breadth, career. He is. Let's pray together. Lord, let us know that you're worthy above all else. Uh, I pray for the yeah yeah Jesus. I pray for me. Not treating Christmas in that way. Uh, I pray that I would not just read Luke two before we open presents. That I would give more. That I'd be more real. That I'd take bigger risks. That I'd be able to look people in the eye because I can already say it's tough for me to do that at times. But that you're so worthy. Of everything. So may I and we love you for what you've already given us and then walk in your authority. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.